Hi and welcome to How I Got Back to Exercise with me, Sophie Barlow, where each week I speak to a different guest about their journey getting back to exercise. Along the way, we have got lots of chat and we always get some great tips as well. So thank you so much for coming along. And thank you also to audionautics.com for the fab music. So this is going to be a crossover episode for both of our podcasts. So, Sophia, why don't you introduce yourself first and then I'll go. Hi. So it's so nice to be with you today, Bethany. Um, And so I'm Sophia Barlow and I am a registered osteopath. So that is kind of like my day job. And I spend a lot of time getting my patients to get back to exercise. So today, I think we're going to talk a little bit about kind of my journey, getting back to exercise and also some of the different people that I kind of helped get along with that journey. And so that's kind of what I'm doing in my podcast at the moment. And it's a real pleasure to come and talk to you, Bethany, today and talk a bit about yoga, because as you know, I am a very big fan. So, yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm Bethany Stevens, host of the Random Yogi podcast. I'm a lawyer by day. I took yoga teacher training during the pandemic and opened a yoga studio here because I had lived in a city and practiced yoga, but up here had to drive an hour and a half to get to a studio. And that was not okay with me. So opened a yoga studio, started an annual yoga conference. Uh, But what I really am excited to talk to you about today, Sophia, is the intersection of mental and physical health and how stress and other mental issues can present in our bodies. Can, can you tell us about your journey and then tell us about that? Yeah. So I do see a lot of my patients in the clinic who have got both sort of physical um, symptoms, but also have been going through, for example, a stressful situation, either acutely kind of at that moment, or in fact, medium to long term. So what I tend to see if I sort of think, first of all, how these people kind of often present to me, and why I end up recommending yoga is because I see a lot of patients who come to me with, for example, neck pain, occasionally jaw pain, but really often chronic headaches. And after we've obviously looked through red flags and screened my patients for anything concerning that I would need to, you know, refer them on uh, to a general health practitioner, their doctor, um, we can get down to the fact that, you know, it is musculoskeletal, you know, it is their physical body, which is symptomatic. And what I see is essentially the drip, drip of stress in people's lives kind of adding to what is often a very tense posture so particularly over lockdown what I would tend to see is people who have been at their desk maybe concentrating really hard maybe in a slightly um, unusual desk setup might even have been on their sofas and not only they sitting in maybe not the best kind of position in addition they are tense and they are worried. So structurally, what I might see is some of the neck muscles getting really tight. So particularly, you know, the sternocleidomastoid muscle, for example, which kind of links up to your jaw, um, links into clavicle and basically kind of 
tightens right at the top of your neck and also sort of right towards the base of your neck and kind of hitches your shoulders up a little bit. What I'm also seeing and um, sort of generally and particularly sort of COVID, but just like, yeah, with the kind of presentations in terms of sort of neck pain, chronic headaches, that kind of thing, is also people who are a little bit shallow breathers who have, have just got into the habit of, a little bit of kind of what I would call like stressful breathing, kind of shallow breathing and using what we describe as accessory muscles of respiration. So the muscles which are attaching to kind of like the top ribs. So the sort of first couple of ribs and then attaching into the next. So, for example, your scalene muscles and they're again kind of hitching the shoulders up. And they're being used unnecessarily in quiet breathing, whereas what we might normally expect would be that the diaphragm in resting breath would really be doing all of that work. And there would be no need for all these extra muscles be kind of firing and and, and getting involved. You know, um, it never even occurred to me because I am obviously big in pranayama breathing practice, especially in the, in the studio. And I had been uh, because I had read that when we shallow breathe like that, our body's in fight or flight. And obviously as a yoga instructor, I want to activate our parasympathetic nervous system during our class. And so you tell me if I'm, if I'm doing this right, I've been asking my students during the opening meditation to really either breathe from their solar plexus and let the solar plexus originate the breath, or even from the belly button and let the belly button originate the breath, expanding on the inhale, contracting on the exhale. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I would say that is absolutely correct. And I mean, I do do so I kind of a lot of the advice that I give to my patients is kind of getting the ball rolling type exercises. So I would be kind of like, look, try this breath exercise. And then I'd be like, here are some really good local yoga teachers or these days, you know, online yoga is amazing because it's just so handy to be able to do it from home. So I would be getting them to yeah just start to do some breathing exercises and thinking about exactly as you've described you know trying to use that kind of I would describe as sort of tummy breath but it's really hard so isn't it hard and you know I have you know patients who are kind of like it's a bit like I don't know if you have this in like the US or sort of Canada is you know like if you're like rubbing your tummy and like patting your head at the same time it's and the second you say to a patient right and you know you sort of do the little exercise with them and then you're just like now just breathe normally like that is impossible right it's just <laughs> it's impossible to like breathe normally when someone tells you breathe normally so it is just the beginning so I just try to sort of get people and even to just kind of keep their shoulders relaxed you know while they're in quiet breathing and as a very first place which I know you guys do a lot of in yoga is just to become a bit more aware of what they're actually doing as their bodies because obviously I treat hands-on so I, I do the treatment itself but because you know normally there'll be what we describe as like maintaining factors um, or predisposing factors and these are the things we really need to pick apart and, and these are the things that actually we do end up referring patients on to kind of you know experts like whether it's a yoga teacher or tai chi or you know maybe their thing is swimming whatever it is that can kind of yeah just dig in dig into those little habits a bit and why is it because I've noticed um myself well first of all you talked about the jaw clenching 
I'm a teeth grinder. I've noticed this year I'm going through a healing process. My father died, all that. And my teeth grinding had gotten so much worse that I actually broke a tooth. I have a night guard. I just didn't have it in that night. Um, But I'm also noticing not only can I not control that at night, but it's very hard unless I'm sitting mindfully to control my breath and take that tummy breath. Why do we why do we struggle so much with shallow breathing as our norm? Is that, is that our norm or is tummy breathing our norm? And we've just forgotten it. That is such a good question. So honestly, I, I guess from sort of being around bodies and treating people, I would say that, you know, that natural kind of diaphragmatic breathing, everything is less used. I would definitely err towards thinking that that was our normal kind of original state, but you know, we're all evolving, aren't we, and adapting. And and that's the amazingness of the human body. But I would certainly say that there's just so many pathologies linked with stress, isn't there? Just not just from the musculoskeletal point of view. And there are so many things that kind of are negatively associated with that. And I would say that from my experience, it's just so much better (laughs) to do the diaphragmatic breathing. So whether that is our norm or whether that is more, I guess, kind of aspirational, um, I would say that's totally, you know, the way to go. And I have seen really fantastic results from my patients having sort of guided them towards that kind of approach. Um, It's interesting what you were saying about your personal experience with your jaw clenching and teeth grinding. And that's a perfect example because, I mean, I do do quite a lot of jaw work in the clinic and I basically recommend three things. I I do a kind of like um, drawing my patient's conscious awareness to their jaw with like a little habit, like whether it's when they put the kettle on to have a cup of tea, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Something they do sort of five or six times a day. The second one is, if possible, sort of two or three decent cardiovascular kind of exercise or just outdoor walking obviously appropriate to their level of fitness Um, and then the third thing is I quite often recommend like a mindfulness app so yoga kind of crosses between you know those two things so your self-healing and actually I see it so often with people who I see who come in you know with pain that they've already started to find the solution for themselves and it's just like they're so nearly there and it's you know just kind of getting them in the right direction so obviously yoga just kind of spoke to you didn't it and I can I can totally imagine why it's the only exercise I've ever been addicted to truly it's just so it's just I love it and I love that it honors your body it honors where you are that day it can be as difficult as your body wants it to be as gentle as your body wants it to be and um, I actually created a, a type called yoga fusion and it's my most popular class and we do it right before the weekend for a full body workout and really extra sense of mindfulness um, but yeah it's been the only one but let me ask you um A lot of us during the pandemic and even afterwards, I think it's been an adjustment getting back to real life because there's been so much to catch up on from a year of not, you know, working the way we normally did. And I think stress seems to be, even for my yoga students at an all time high right now, for some reason, are you seeing that as well? And if so, what do you attribute that to? I guess bearing in mind, I'm based in the UK (laughs) and it has been a bit of a roller coaster. I'm, you know, for I guess our country really over the last three or four years 
And I think, you know, particularly at the moment, you know, we're kind of stepping into what is being described here as like a cost of living crisis. And there is a lot in the media about is we need to worry. You know, that's that's the kind of main theme, isn't it? It's like, you know, we just all need to be worried all the time. And I don't think that most people need that extra nudge to feel stressed anyway. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, that is something that is kind of um, pervasive here, I guess, since since COVID. But it's one of those things, isn't it? You, you do see some learns that we did sort of get from that period being used. And I do think things like, you know, flexible working, actually, you know, that has worked very well for people. We mentioned earlier about like yoga classes, being able to do them. I mean, the ideal is to do it with a teacher in person, I would always say. But actually, if it means that you actually can exercise, if you are just going to be able to do it kind of over the internet at home, then like that's, that is really good. And people are finding their own way, aren't they? But yeah, I would say certainly there is a, a heightened stress feeling, you know, and everything that's going on in the world at the moment. Yeah, I think trying to carve out time for yourself can feel very hard right now. And as you say, to sort of like switch off as well and, you know, just mindfully think about yourself and your mental health, your physical health. Well, let me ask you this. Why is yoga your go-to prescription for people? Yeah, so I am a really big fan of exercise where I feel as if naturally my patients can be in control and have some agency. So I meet a lot of people who have been injured in exercise um, and and it, it tends to be because my patients, they just haven't heard the bodies sometimes even when their bodies have been shouting quite loudly at them and <laughs> they may not have you know picked up the clues and I'm a big fan of all sorts of exercises but I think yoga is particularly good because my understanding is that you know you are listening to your body and you're getting to know your body you know physically and then you know you're working obviously through meditation that has been proven you know for sort of you know lower level kind of stress to be extremely beneficial so that as a starting point is really invaluable because over the years I think if if I my patients can leave the clinic with one learn it really would be to to be listening to their bodies more and I think yoga is such a natural starting point and also in my experience you know the yoga teachers that I've met are very much about it being a personal journey rather than one size fits all. So obviously I'm dealing with injuries most of the time. So that is very appealing to me because what I don't like is kind of giving my mended patients, you know, putting them back to different environments where maybe people have, I would say, a more old fashioned sort of perspective of like feel the burn no pain, no gain, all that kind of thing. I mean, I treat, you know, some elite athletes and that is not a good approach, however kind of fit or, um, you know, into exercise you are. So I, I do tend to veer away from that kind of philosophy. So 
you know, naturally yoga does lend itself, yeah, really well to a more kind of considered approach um, to exercise. And then, of course, there is that whole kind of mind-body kind of crossover with yoga, which I just think, I mean, you mentioned earlier on about the sympathetic nervous system versus the parasympathetic nervous system. So what we would describe as kind of like essential like fight or flight kind of vibe versus those nurturing important um actions that your body kind of needs to do now I'll, I'll talk to my patients after they've done months maybe years of yoga and will kind of I may end up seeing them like a couple of times a year for like maintenance or something and they they've really really sort of benefited from yeah having that kind of mind body approach and it you can just kind of see the results really so I am a fan and I just think I'm not surprised it's becoming more and more popular but you know it's funny you said something about um you don't you don't want your mended clients doing the feel the burn do you know as a yoga teacher one of the hardest things when someone new comes into a studio is convincing them that it's about their body, that they don't have to do what I'm doing up front when I'm demonstrating. They don't have to do what their neighbor's doing. That is one of my um, biggest challenges. And it takes months when someone new to yoga comes into the studio to really teach them, this is about honoring your body. And, and I have to watch them and say, okay, this one's not working for your body right now. It may someday, but why don't we modify it like this? And people are very resistant to adjusting for where they are right now. I was going to also point out, I like that you said yoga gives them some sort of control because I think that's where stress comes from when we feel like we're out of control, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, from my point of view, I like, I do like exercise where my patients can kind of exit at different points if they're feeling as you said you know maybe this pose or whatever isn't exactly right for you you're absolutely right when you look at you know everything in the media and yeah what are norms in a kind of exercise sporty environment it's it's all about getting to a quite specific place Um, And I do think that's changing, which is basically brilliant, like slowly with kind of more like body positivity stuff. But it is difficult. And I think that, yeah, I think there are particular times in your life when, you know, you're so out of sync or, you know, you've had an injury. And actually, I guess I'm lucky in a way because I I sort of do often have people at a point where they realize, you know, something isn't working, but yeah, to kind of unpick all those, you have to do this weight at this, it is hard, but then, and I try not to sort of go on about results too much because obviously that's not the thing, is it? But, you know, the irony is, and of course, you know, my more kind of professional athlete patients, of course, you know, it's extremely important. Their results are extremely important. But the irony is, of course, once you do get into that mindset, the results are so much better because you are not working against your body. You're working with your body and actually your body much prefers that. Um, And you get long term results. You get consistent results. You are significantly less likely to get injured. So it's it's all good. Um, But I think people, I guess, if anything, they may be 
rush you know they're like they're so motivated when they start exercising that they're not thinking oh this is just how my life is going to be now and this is where I'm I'm going to kind of just settle into this lifestyle they're just kind of like oh right I'm going to get to this place by this time and as you say yeah that's a difficult thing it is a difficult thing to unpick well, you know, what you were just talking about, one thing that I finally, because I was one of those people who wanted results right now or within six months, I wanted to lose so much weight. And two years ago, when I started this journey, wanting a studio, doing my teacher training and stuff, I I finally let go about six months in of the results because I was tired of beating myself up and not seeing the results I wanted. And now I'm two years in and I've probably only lost about 30 pounds and I, and I do have more to lose, but all of my clothes are different. I've lost a lot more inches. And I even talked to my doctor at one point and said, this isn't working. Why am I not losing? And she said, but you're, you're gaining muscle, which will then turn around. And, and it was true. I lost inches before I ever lost a pound. What I wish is that we could let go of the results and just focus on being in our body and doing what feels good. I, at the end of each class, when I'm bringing people out of Shavasana, the final resting pose, um, I always have them take a deep breath in a deep breath or, and let it go. And then I say, thank yourself for making time for you, for giving you space to breathe today. And then I have them sit up after that. And I, I wish more people, and I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm happy with where I am. And yeah, it's probably taken longer than it might take somebody else to get there. But it's been a very, not just a fitness journey, but a healing journey. And it, and it was the journey at my body's pace that it needed to take. And I wish more people understood that. One thing that I think a lot of people, at least in America, I don't know about the UK struggle with, is the concept of self-care is not selfish. I know I personally struggle with that. Could you talk about how self-care, whether it be from an exercise perspective, seeing your doctor, whatever, is not selfish? And what does self-care look like to you when we're trying to release some of the stress in our bodies? I guess I have dug around a lot in kind of like health beliefs, behaviors, because I've been pulling like my course together, basically making everybody everywhere get back to exercise. So, um, I mean, it is it is hard to basically suddenly get a person from A to Z in terms of self-care. And as you can imagine, it is about kind of very small, incremental kind of habitual changes. But what I try and say to people, especially, you know, my patients who are kind of like, you know, the, probably the first thing people talk about is motivation. The second thing people tend to talk about is finding time. Um, and that is I I basically try and get people to have a think about maybe something that they're doing at home for 15 minutes a day more than they think maybe they could be that they feel is maybe a waste of time and just trying to think if there is something that they're doing for maybe 15 minutes a day and they could be like okay maybe I won't do that for that extra 15 minutes a day you know whatever that is and trying to just basically keep that safe that 15 minutes and that is easier said than done but I try and place it in the way of saying try and make a small promise to yourself every day and keep it 
So maybe for the first week, it might be that they have just said, you know what, I'm going to paint my nails or I'm going to fold my clothes or I'm going to do a small thing that I've I've been meaning to do, sort out that drawer or just look after myself. It's kind of I've been wanting to do, but I just haven't got around to. And ideally, you know, make that promise to yourself every day and keep it. And and it is a question of trust. And gradually you start to trust yourself, don't you, that you are going to make a promise to yourself, actively make it. You are going to keep it. And then I gradually try and get that towards the 15 minutes a day. Now, I sort of say to my guys, I'm like, right, try and have that kind of partitioned off for exercise maybe three times a week. And but I want you to keep that time every single day. And on the days when you're not exercising, you might be researching some health stuff. You might be looking up like healthy recipes or something like that. Or you might be doing something just that you really want to, you really enjoy doing, you know, like life's too short, isn't it? You know, just do something ideally to do with your body. It might, you know, I'm more about physical health, aren't I? But do something kind of nurturing at that moment. And I think, as you say, people feel guilty almost that they shouldn't be doing that. And again, ironically, they're going to get better results in all sorts of other areas of their life if they do take time to look after themselves. And all of that thing that we've all heard hundreds of times of like you can't pour from an empty cup and that kind of thing. You know, it's it's really important. But also we're kind of we are fed things like have a miracle morning and you know get up at five do these million things and that's gonna be perfect and it's just like like I think it's maybe some of these things are geared more towards some people than other people and I just think not everyone can do that first thing in the morning you know you might be working shifts you might have had a really bad night's sleep you might you know your sleep patterns may be totally different you might have got like a new puppy and it's like waking you up insanely early and you need to go back to you know it's just and then suddenly you feel like a failure and I'm like well especially people who are working from home a little bit more I'm like maybe try and maybe think about have like having that at lunchtime but you know whatever works for you maybe it's going to be in the evening that you have your like best me time and I don't think that that has to be at any particular time in the day so it's just trying to free people up really just trying to sort of take those obstacles out of the way really trying to just get that habit going and then it's one of those things it's like with exercise you know the more you do it the better you get the more you enjoy it and the more you get used to like taking that time looking after yourself the more you benefit the the more you're likely to do it so it is it's that getting started isn't it well you just said two things I love number one that you have your patients set that side of time every day whether they use it for exercise or just doing something they enjoy I love that because it never occurred to me that every day we should have a little bit of time that we get to do something we enjoy and the second thing you you said that I find fascinating and and I had recently seen a TikTok about it actually that said um If you want to learn to trust yourself, start doing what you tell yourself. And actually this TikTok 
creator said she started by narrating her entire day. If she was sitting there and she was about to go make dinner, she would say out loud to herself, I'm going to go make dinner. And she would narrate her day. And she said, slowly over time, she began to trust herself, even though she was telling herself exactly, you know, I'm getting up to go make dinner, which is what she was going to do. And, um, and I found it fascinating that you, you made the same point that if you make these small promises to yourself, you begin to trust yourself. How does that play into reducing stress? Well, I guess, um, from, you know, what you said in terms of, I guess, yeah, that feeling of control, that feeling of agency of, yeah, being, you know, more aware of yourself and what you're doing and, you know, how you're spending your time. Um, I mean, in terms of, you know, stress reduction, I guess you would be, you know, that's not something that I kind of advise on per se, but I, so I'm just trying to like force people to get back to exercise. (laughs) But um, so like, that's my kind of like, and that's going to really help reduce stress and here's all the data. So you know, that's what I would do. So I guess I, I'm basically referring to people like you who are the people who reduce the stress, um, yeah. which is, you know, it's a, it's an amazing, it must be a real privilege to be able to do that for people. Oh, I love it. I, I didn't realize I would love it as much. I was a little scared when I opened the studio and my friends who helped me paint the space and prepare the space. I said, what if I get in this and I don't like it after all? They said, then you'll just quit. It's not a big deal. And we're now going on 18 months that the studio has been open and still going strong. So I love it. Yeah, that is, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a big step, isn't it? But, um, I mean, I think like that is, you know, really interesting, you know, from my point of view, sort of asking, you know, you about your kind of journey of getting there. I mean, I I really love the fact, you know, that you're working basically like a blended career and that you haven't, you know, you haven't let the fact that you need to have a day job stand in the way of actually not only having yourself do your yoga, but facilitating other people to do that but yeah how how did you how do you manage that how do you kind of juggle that well um since I don't have children I just have two dogs and five chickens it's a little bit easier for me (laughs) it's a little easier than me for me than it would be maybe a working mom um but I was drawn to the law early on in life and so I couldn't I can't give up being a lawyer Um, but during the pandemic, when everything shut down, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm not used to not doing anything. And so one of my good friends, I found yoga teacher training online, which I I think some people at first were like, oh, you got it online. But now that everything's online, nobody thinks twice about it. And, um, and so we together would study all week long. And then on Fridays, we would attend our online course and do our practicals and do our yoga classes with the, with the online class. And, and at first it just became, it was a way to bond with one another really, and to deepen our practice. But once I got done with the 200 hour training, I just, I thought I I have to keep going. I have to learn more. And so by the time I got done with the 500 hour is when I thought, okay, I've got 500 hours and there's no yoga studios around here. Like, why wouldn't I open it? And because it's a rural area 
And we're in the Bible Belt. People were a little skeptical about yoga at first. My friend and I spent a lot of time educating people that there's nothing wrong with yoga as exercise. We're not going to hell over it. And um, we offer classes usually two nights a week. We're about to add a third night. And then usually one Saturday a month, we have a morning class. I've been able, I'm lucky because um, since I'm the only yoga studio around and most of my students are working women doing evening classes or Saturday morning classes seems to work for everyone. And so it was easy enough to make it work for my lifestyle. I think I would be burned out if I taught every single day. But one of my students ended up going to yoga teacher training after practicing with me. So I've got a second instructor to help. And 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 that's good for the students here because, you know, you're never going to have two yoga instructors with the exact same style and the exact same way of teaching and the exact same focus. I tend to be more really focused on breathing and pranayama and flexibility and and their strength that's gained through that whereas my other instructor she really likes to focus on hardcore let's get these yoga you know core muscles strengthened and things like that so they my students really like the variety it's amazing isn't it that just like once you start and then it, I was the same actually in that I was a mature student when I graduated to be an osteopath and it's just so interesting so yeah I didn't feel like the study was a chore because with the human body and it's just endlessly interesting and it's just you you're drawn in aren't you I can really imagine you thinking why wouldn't I want to do another 300 hour study which probably I imagine to some of your friends probably would have felt really unusual (laughs) like why would you Well, and the friend Uh I started with chose not to do the additional 300. I mean, she cheered me on. She was there if I needed anything. Occasionally, um, she really actually helped me with the anatomy because she's an occupational therapist type person. And the anatomy of yoga for a lawyer, I mean, I don't have an anatomy background. And when I would be reading these terms, she was able to really illuminate the anatomy for me that's really helpful and I imagine that will be really helpful for her as an OT actually to have just gone deeper in you know that will inform like her work won't it as well and so do you imagine that you're gonna kind of continue continue where you are do you do online classes as well or well we actually I started out online just because it was the end of 2020 and um and it was fine when you couldn't be in person but I really just love the in-person. I want to be able to see my students and to really, because when I'm teaching online, if I, if I'm like, "Mm, I don't think her down dog is just right. She's going to injure her shoulder. Well, if I run over to the computer and I really start squinting at the screen, that's going to be obnoxious to people. Right. Whereas when we're in person, I'm able to demonstrate because where I'm at and my students really, they need the constant demonstration in Dallas, where I practice, the teachers might demo, they might not, it just kind of depended. But I'm finding that my students really need me moving when they move. But I can still watch them as I'm moving. And I'm able to gently go over and be like, okay, let's, let's push our feet in a little bit more. So we get the right angle, we don't hurt our shoulders, things like that. So for me, plus, you don't get the same community that you get when you're in person in anything, not just yoga. But because we were able to open this studio and practice together in person a few times a week, 
we've become a yoga family. You know, we, we really have those connections and we may not hang out outside the studio with all of us together, but I have no doubt that any of my students could call any other student if they needed something in normal life. And there's just a love there because we're together at least twice a week, you know. You can't substitute that in-person connection. And yeah, I would, you are a teacher, aren't you? As a yogi, you, you really are. I'm a, I've done a, a little bit of yoga and yeah, I think the best outcomes for me have definitely been with a teacher that you, you feel like they really understand you and it is a personal, it's a really personal connection, isn't it? So it really is. Um, I was going to say, we talked about like the sort of various different benefits of yoga um, in terms of kind of your journey and kind of your aims and that kind of thing. But I just wanted to touch on some of the things that I think are really overlooked. So, you know, I, I see patients. So I guess on one end of the spectrum would be patients who have got like, you know, like rods in their back and maybe had like a scoliosis, a childhood sort of idiopathic scoliosis, like a, a lateral kind of curve in the back and stuff. I'm, I'm thinking one patient in particular, she, like she is really into yoga. She does like yoga kind of like three or four times, practices three or four times a week. And it is amazing how she has managed to maintain a really good range of movement over the years. I just think basically range of movement of joints is such a massive benefit in yoga. So, you know, my patients who come to me in their sort of mid years, you know, they're kind of maybe 40s, 50s. And I'll quite often have patients say, oh, my, I think my posture is awful. Or they'll say, oh, what I and I you kind of you can just tell there's something that they're worried about and you're like you know what are your kind of mediums long-term concerns and so often you know I hear patients say I just don't want to end up really stooped over like my mother or my father people so often come to me saying like oh I just feel like everything's going downhill and a lot of the time it is to do with just everything basically getting tightened up and for some of the reasons that we've touched on and I think yoga is absolutely fantastic for that. And as you said, you know, you can kind of start from where you're at. Obviously, we've talked about stress and, and, and the benefits of yoga sort of decreasing it from that point of view. But yeah, just the, I would say, yeah, the joint stuff is what I'm particularly interested in. If you're really interested in joint uh, health for your clients, you need to also encourage them to do yin yoga. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I, that is where I get the most resistance from people um, because since they're not getting, you don't really sweat during yin yoga, it's very long holds and they're like, oh, I'm not doing anything, but it's actually one of the more difficult practices. And because we hold the joints so long, I mean, several minutes. And then when we, when we move out of that pose and all of that fluid and all the nutrients rush into your joints, yin yoga scientifically has been shown to be one of the better ones for joint health and arthritis. It also helps keep your fascia um, loose and moving just because we're not, we're not focused on the muscles during yin. We're focused on letting, getting in a pose, holding it so that our joints can compress and then release and the fascia can gently move across the muscles. Yeah. 
I mean, that is really interesting. I mean, I do have, I do see a number of patients who are kind of on the other end of the spectrum, if you like, and they are more edging towards, you know, hypermobility. And some of them will come to me and say, well, I'm not quite sure about yoga. Um, And for those patients, I do always think that actually an in-person yoga teacher is going to be the best because, and I just say to them, any of my patients, actually, I'm always like, just go and have a big chat to the yoga teacher or whatever they're doing. I'm like, tell them you've had X, Y, Z injury and tell them this, that and the other. But it's so helpful, isn't it? Because then, of course, you can be guided so that, you know, all the benefits we've talked about in terms of joint health. But of course, with a patient who's hypermobile, you would be thinking more about kind of the strength. And that's the thing, you know, I would because I quite often recommend swimming. I love to recommend yoga, but it's kind of it is with a caveat of make sure you've got a really good teacher because it's so beneficial to get that muscle strength because, of Mm. course, the muscles are acting in addition to the ligaments, because the ligaments have got, you know, that bit more given them. So it's, it's great to have that extra muscle support and with the right yoga teacher, rather than someone and the right mindset, as you've said, you know, rather than thinking, right, I can going to get my leg here or there, they're going to be the people right at the top of the class from that point of view, aren't they? But it's kind of like, that's, that's not what they need. But I think, you know, there is, it's be quite unusual for me, as long as it was a careful teacher not not to be able to recommend it even patients or I guess on that end of things yeah well you know yin would even be appropriate because we do yin from a very cold place we don't warm up ahead of time because we don't want to get too deep into any pose because you could so easily overstretch those muscles so you would still get the joint health but yeah they would definitely want to combine that with the more strength um, training. And you were talking about how yoga is good for posture. And, and I had heard that before I ever started practicing years and years ago. And, and I know now why as a yoga instructor, because every pose I'm cueing my students, make sure your shoulder blades are together and down towards your waist. It really, even if your hands are on the floor and you're in down dog, make sure your shoulder blades are, are pressed together. And, and now when I see people, even just at a gas station walking across and their shoulders may not be hunched, but their palms are turned backwards. Right. And that's not how we do it in yoga. Our palms are turned forward. So we get that nice rotation. And I, I watch people with their palms turned back and I'm like, Oh, you're going to end up so hunched over. Come to my class. <laughs> well, I wish I were nearer to you because if I were, then I would be coming. That would be very wonderful. Wouldn't it? Now, um, one last thing, I'm fascinated by anyone who makes a midlife career change. So what led you on that part of your journey? Uh, So I was a recruitment consultant before, and I actually absolutely loved the job. I did really enjoy it. You know, it, it was a really fun job, but I just, I think I just want, I think it was partly wanting to study more. And although I did really enjoy the human, I really enjoyed working with my candidates and my clients on that level. But I think I just, yeah, I wanted something a little bit more kind of challenging, I suppose, intellectually, like, you know, do, you know, studying the physiology, anatomy, that kind of thing. I found it like really interesting and became less appealing that kind of corporate ladder and I was just like I wonder if I could do do something yeah that wasn't in that environment 
And I looked at sort of physiotherapy, which also is really interesting. I had a friend who was studying to be an osteopath. I had a friend who was studying to be a naturopath as well, actually. And I just had some really interesting conversations with them. And I guess it was a bit of a leap in the dark, actually. But I did keep working while I was studying for a bit. And I think that helped actually in terms of, you know, making that transition um, a bit easier. It doesn't feel like hard work if you pick the right subject. So I, I would say, you know, people are thinking about it, then it's kind of spend your time considering, you know, what you're really interested in. And then, yeah, as with you, it's like you you just have to make a start, don't you? And you, you quite soon know, I think, if it is the right thing for you. It's been so fun talking to you. I, I wish we didn't live across the Atlantic Ocean from one another because I think you would be so fun to practice with and, and and come to, you know, as a doctor as well. Well, it's been absolutely lovely to meet you. And um, yeah, I wish you all the best of luck with your podcast too, because yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be listening.